Hey, what's up, young adults? Hey, I'm excited to be back in the Old Testament with you. Today we're going to be looking at the story of Moses in Exodus. Uh, do you ever just lose some perspective on the things that you do every day or some of the things that you, you get to be, your role, your place in life, uh, your relationships? Sometimes it's easy to see them as just, man, they're the ones that I've always had. This is where I've been for a long time. Or maybe whenever I graduate, maybe whenever I hit that next stage of life is really when things will start to get better when I'll get some traction underneath me, then I'll really have a big purpose for God. That's when I'll really mean a lot to the people around me. Well, Moses was a guy who probably felt that way. Um, where we pick up with Moses and what we're about to read today, uh, Moses had a crazy background. He had a crazy story. Um, he was born uh, to a Jewish family when Jews were slaves to uh, Egyptians. Uh, so his family probably grew up um, in slavery. And when he was born, Pharaoh, the, the governor or the king of Egypt, uh, saw that the, the Jewish people were growing quite a bit, and he needed to do something to stem the tide to make sure that that the Jewish people didn't overrun the Egyptians. So what he did is he instituted a new law that said that any newborn baby should get thrown into the river and be killed. Um, and his parents, Moses' parents, saw that law and said, we've got to do something around that. Um, so they made a basket after he was born, they made a basket, they put him in the river, and they kind of walked him down, and they were hoping that someone, an Egyptian, would find him and take him in and raise him as their own. So they put him in the basket. One of his older sisters uh, goes with him uh, and kind of watches it go down the river, and they see not just an Egyptian, but the Pharaoh's daughter uh, picks him up out of the river, out of this basket, and says, who is this child? I need to, to take care of him. He sees this sister, she sees the sister and says, hey, could you go find someone to nurse this baby? But I want to raise him as my own. So Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. He would have been basically like Pharaoh's grandson, which is just crazy to think about. So he grew up with probably a lot of wealth, with uh, intellect, with great education, um, an inside view of what's going on, but probably outside of what uh, his true heritage in the Jewish people really was. So he grew up in that world, and there was one day that he was a grown man, and he saw an Egyptian slave driver being pretty ruthless with some Jewish slaves, and he was beating them. So he finds this Egyptian guy, and he beats him, and he actually beats him to death, and he buries his body in the sand, and he thinks that nobody's seen him. Well, he comes back the next day, and these two Jewish guys say something to him, and they, he realizes that they have seen him murder this Egyptian. So he flees, he runs, and he goes and basically finds a place where no one would know who he is, no one would know where he came from, and he becomes a shepherd. Now, a shepherd is an important job. He would have been herding sheep. All of his money and assets would have been tied up in sheep. Um, the guy who uh, was the, owned all the sheep, he let him marry his, his daughter, so he kind of married in. Things were probably going okay, but it was a, a new different place that he probably never expected to be because of a decision that he made a long time ago, that he's living in obscurity. He's living in a place of diminished purpose. He probably has a minimized role in what he thought his life would look like. And I think a lot of times being a young adult, whether you're in your late teens, your 20s, or your early 30s, sometimes things don't really end up how you hoped they would. They're different. They haven't quite developed the way that you thought they would yet. And we can look at our purpose in life. We can look at the things that we thought we were going to do that God maybe gave you a vision or a hope for, and it's not happening yet. Or maybe it looks different than you thought it would. 
and you're wondering, can I still have purpose? Can I still do what God kind of set me out to do, even though things aren't what I hoped they would be? And even as you look at the story of Moses, they're not just what did, not what he thought they would be because uh, things didn't end up. I mean, he messed up. He messed up in a big way, and now he's living this diminished purpose and wondering what's next. So we meet him. He's a shepherd. He's tending sheep. And in uh, chapter 3, we see that uh, God meets Moses. And you've probably heard this story before that he sees this burning bush out in the middle of nowhere. And he goes up to it and the bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. The leaves on it, the wood on that bush is not burning up. So he knows that something's going on and God comes to him and says, Moses, I am here. I am God. Take off your shoes. This is a holy place. And he, he does it. He says, God, I'm here for you. But God says that he has a big purpose for him. He says he's seen the affliction and the, heard the cries of his people, of the Jewish people, and he has a bigger plan for them, that he wants to take them into a land of goodness and, and good things. So he says, Moses, will you go to Pharaoh and ask them to come bring the Israelite people out? And look at what he says um, in verse 11. It says, but Moses said to God, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And really, I mean, what you see him doing is something that I think all of us do pretty often, is that we project our insecurities, our past, all of our, our problems onto the plan that God had for us. That God had a plan for him, but he said, wait, hold up. Do you really know who you're asking? Who am I that I would go do that? And look at God's response. God doesn't respond with, yeah, but I'll equip you. He doesn't respond with, hey, Moses, you're my guy. I believe in you. I know you can do it. He responds with something that blows all of that out of the water. He says in verse 12, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. He doesn't, he doesn't tell him of all the good things that Moses is capable of. He says that the God who created everything will go with you. But we see that that's almost not enough for Moses. Moses then says in, in verse 13, he says, If I go to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What's his name? What should I say to them? And God says to Moses, and it's one of the coolest sections of Scripture that he doesn't say this very often, but he kind of breathes out the name for God that's not said very often, that later the Jewish people don't even say because it's so holy. He says, I am who I am, or Yahweh. And that means a couple of things. I mean, it says that he's not dependent on anything else, that God exists all by his self. That no nothing is, he's not dependent on anything besides himself. He's the creator and the sustainer of everything that he's made. He's established, he's unchanging, and he's never ending. And that's who he says is sending you. That it matters the authority that you go with. Can you imagine if the President of the United States sent you a message or showed up at your door and said, hey, I need you to go be an ambassador for me. Like, if that was the plan, first of all, I think I would ask this, hey, hold up. Are you sure? Like, I have not been trained for that. I'm not a diplomat. I'm not a politician. I'm, I'm not really good with these things. And he says, hey, it's not about you. It's about who's sending you. It's about whose authority you go on behalf of. It's not about Moses. It's about God. I am is who's sending you. The creator, the sustainer, the grace giver, the mercy spreader is sending you. So it's not about your ability. It's not about your capability. God goes on to tell him, hey, tell 
the elders, that it's the God of Abraham, it's the God of Isaac, it's the God of Jacob, that he's, he's touting his history about what he's done for the people of Israel so that he would have clout not of Moses's but of God's. And that's who sends him. But we see at the beginning of chapter 4, it says, Then Moses answered, he says, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, and they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. So let's look at the, at the objections that Moses has brought up at this point. He said, who am I? He's asking about his identity. Man, I'm bringing baggage in. I'm not the right person. I'm not good at these things. He asks about God's authority. He said, hey, who do I tell them told me? Because they're going to say, I just did this on my own. I just made this up. He's questioning God's authority. And then he's questioning his effectiveness. What if I go and they don't listen to me? What if I'm not good at what it is that you've asked me to do? But again, look at what God's response is. He doesn't respond with pumping him up. He doesn't respond with, hey, I know you've got it in you. He responds in verse 2. He says, what's in your hand? I love God because he doesn't always answer the question that we ask right away. But he answers with what we need to know. Uh, and I think it's interesting. He didn't ask Moses, hey, what's in your hand? Because he didn't know what was in his hand. Like, I don't think Moses was hiding something behind his back. And God was like, Hey, hold up, Mo. What you got, dude? Like, that wasn't the case. God knew exactly what was in his hand. He knew exactly what it meant to him, that he was holding that staff, and that staff meant a lot of things. It was his identity. It's what he did for a living. It's, it's everything about who he had become. It recognized his income. That's All of his assets were tied up, tied up in sheep, and it, it said everything about him. That I think sometimes when God asks you, hey, what's in your hand? He wants to know what's important about you. What's different about you than everybody else? What have you been set up with that not everybody else is set up with? God wasn't asking because he didn't know. He wanted Moses to self-recognize, hey, this is what I have going on. But listen to what he says to tell him. He says, throw it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it, which I can identify with. I hate snakes. Don't tell me that there's good snakes in the world. It's not a true thing. But in verse 4, he says, But the Lord God said to Moses, Put your hand out and catch it by the tail. He tells him to throw his staff on the ground, which would have meant throwing all those things down in front of God. It would have meant throwing down something that, yeah, he could have easily picked it back up, but it was a small sign of faith. And, he, and then he, he sees it change into something that scares him. And then he tells him to walk towards it and get closer to it. That sometimes God is going to change the thing that's in your hand and you're not going to like it. And that's a tough pill to swallow. I don't always like that. But then he tells us to walk towards it. And what does he do? He picks it up by the tail and God changes it back into his staff. And we see later at the end of uh, this little talk that in verse 17 he says, Hey, take your hand and this staff for with it you will do signs. That Can you imagine that if Moses never threw down his staff, that that little moment of obedience and faithfulness and trusting in God and something small that, man, what's, what's the worst that could happen? He drops his staff and God doesn't do anything and he picks it back up. That Moses started with such a small piece of faith, just a little tiny seed of faith, and God takes it and does more with it than he could ever imagine. That God tells Moses, hey, this is what you're going to lead the people with. This is what you're going to do signs of God's work in the world with. But he has to start with something small. 
Sometimes we look at a story like Moses and we go, man, that guy saw the 10 plagues happen. He led the people of Israel out of, of bondage. He saw, he, he struck a rock and water came out. He, they saw manna come from heaven and quail show up every morning that they could eat. He saw incredible miracles. But what did it start with? It started with a tiny little piece of faith in trusting that if he dropped what was in his hand and trusted God with it, that God would do something big with it. And I think sometimes we look at those big things and we want those big things to happen. We see people that have been walking with God for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and we want to have those big moments of faith, but we're unwilling to do the little things. And I think sometimes reading the New Testament, we take God's promises and go, I'm not seeing them. But we're not taking the little piece of faith that's on our end that we'll see God's goodness if we just do what God's word says, that we'll have joy through serving, that we'll love by knowing God and being close to him, that we'll have peace through telling God what's on our minds, that the never-changing, never-reliant on anything besides himself, God, is asking from us such a small thing, and he'll do wonderful things with it, but we don't give him the tiny little pieces. The cool thing about this is that I can't tell you what God's asking from you right now. I can't tell if God's asking for um, just a little piece of obedience or something that feels really, really big. But what I love about this is that none of this was based on Moses' ability or capacity. None of it. He didn't see him and go, that's my leader. I mean, this was a guy who had run from and kind of squandered a really good position. And now God's going back to him saying, hey, I can use you. All all I need is you to say yes and show up. And he has his objections. I don't know of anybody that doesn't have objections initially, but he ends up saying yes. What is that thing that that God's asking for you? What's that little piece of obedience that God's saying, hey, just trust me. See if my goodness will show up. But you have to trust me for the little things to see the big. Um, That if you walk with God, He'll walk with you. That's the cool thing about this. What God's asking you to do that may seem impossible, that may seem completely out of reach, he's not asking you to do it because he believes in you and he knows that you can do it. He's doing it because he created everything and he knows the end game. Even if you try and you fail, it's okay. Why? Because the God who created everything is close to you and wants a relationship with you. That your relationship, your standing with God does not, does not matter based on your conduct. That he's not waiting for your conduct to match up with his righteousness. He's giving you his goodness regardless of your conduct. Why? So that we can turn to him and offer him everything because he is so good. So I'm going to ask you, what's in your hand? What do you, who are you right now? Moses was a shepherd. He was a husband. He was a father. That's what God asked him to just lay in front of him as a small piece of faith. What are you right now? Who are you right now? What relationships do you have that are unique to you? What job do you have? What stage of life are you in? Where are your finances? And that's okay if not all those things are exactly where you want them. But God didn't ask Moses to go out and build an army to go defeat the Egyptians. God did that for him. All he wanted was his yes on the table. What's in your hand? Are you a college student that maybe you've got more free time than you ever will again? 
You've got more flexibility in your spending than you ever will. You can go out to coffee with somebody anytime. Or maybe you're in the business world and you're working and you can, you can have a relationship with somebody at the, the cubicle next to you that you may not work with them forever. You may not have that flexibility forever. What's in your hand? What's God put on your heart that you can turn over to him? And are you trusting him with it? Are you trusting him with what God put in your hand? Are you viewing it as, I just carry this with me all the time. This is just who God made me. This is what I am now. I don't know if it's ever going to be useful. No, God put what's in your hand there for a reason. It may not be there forever, but he's put it there so that you can use it for the goodness of God. Um, later, he tells him in, uh, in this section that, that he would pick up the staff and he would use his faithfulness so that the, the people could know and believe God. And I just think that in the swing of our lives, that's what's at stake. Are people going to know and believe God because of the way that you used what's in your hand? Or is it just going to be the everyday, this is who I am, I don't know if it can be used for anything. There's a lot at stake. Hey, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.